0: Would you please join your hearts together with mine in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We pray, Lord, during this time that you would work and move by your Holy Spirit, that you would open up our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear your word, and that you would ever point us to Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This whole text about Dogs and crumbs was actually kind of funny in our household anyway. Many of you know we have a little dog. He was once little. He's Bruce, our bulldog. And Bruce is really quite interesting. See, Bruce doesn't have a lot of energy for a long time. He has a lot of energy for a short time. And in this short time of a lot of energy, it's usually surprising. Because he'll be laying around in the living room or dining room or kennel or somewhere, and he will have been laying there for many, 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 many minutes, hours, not really moving because he's not that energetic of a dog. But he moves when we start cooking. <clears throat> this is a dog after my own heart. <laughs> he moves when we start cooking. We can open up the fridge, and no matter where he is at in the house, when he hears the bottom drawer of the fridge open, he knows there's carrots in there. And so he runs, and he will sit right by the fridge and just sit there. And then you shut it all closed, and he looks at you with a look that really makes you feel guilty. And then, uh, you know, maybe not feed him, but then he does not go back to where he was. He will circle the kitchen like a shark, waiting, because he knows that someone else is coming in to cook. And if Michelle comes in to cook and starts cutting things, he sits at her feet. And if we start sautéing things, he sits... Right there, because he knows no matter how hot it is, something's falling out of that pan. And then when we move things, he decides that the best place to be is right under our feet because if he trips us, more food will fall. And this could be even after we just fed him. It really doesn't matter. This dog loves coming while we cook. But here's the thing that gets me. The floor could have no food on it whatsoever. But just the simple fact that we were there and present and cooking, he decides now that he must lick the floor. And he licks all over the floor. So if you ever come to our house, don't walk in the kitchen if this grosses you out. But he will lick the floor because he knows that there might be crumbs there. He knows that whatever we were eating or cooking or dealing with was good. And he wants some, even if it's not really even there. But he figures that it might be, and it could be. It kind of reminded me, of course, of our reading today. I mean, First off, let's remember the setting here a little bit. This is the first week that we're jumping back into Mark's Gospel. We've been walking through Ephesians for a long time. There's a lot that's happened in Mark's Gospel already. He's done a lot of cast- Jesus has done a lot of casting out of demons. He's done a lot of teaching. He's done a lot of gathering people together. In fact, he's already fed 5,000 people where people from Tyre and Sidon and the Decapolis and everywhere had come to hear Jesus speak. In fact, they were pressing in so tightly upon him that he had to get out into a boat out on the edge of the sea so that he could at least have some space to be able to talk to everybody they wanted him to heal they wanted him to cast out those who were the demons of who were possessing people they wanted to hear his teaching they wanted some kind of little wonderful crumb from jesus even if it was just in that moment and they didn't get to have a whole relationship with him like the disciples did they wanted some little tiny bit now imagine the people that were together the israelites who were expecting a messiah the Pharisees who were come to just check things out, the scribes who were there in support of the Pharisees, and then you've got Gentiles coming in from all over the region, coming together for this one man. That event lasted only so long. And everybody was sent home. Back to Tyre, back to Sidon, back to the Decapolis, back to Capernaum, back into their regular places. And Jesus continued to walk around with the folks whom he was sent to, the Israelites. Those of Abraham's seed, those who were there in that place and time, part of Israel, the ones who were in the synagogue all the time, hearing God's word, held God's word close to their hearts and were expecting this person to come. No matter what they thought that person was going to do, whether it was save them from their sins or save them from oppression in the Romans, that didn't matter. They were still looking for this guy and he was there. Okay, so where's Tyre and Sidon then? See, these were the places well outside the bounds of where Israelites really ever wanted to go. Tyre is on the coast of where the Phoenicians were at, so way out on the edge, right by the water. Sidon is actually above the border of where Israel was at in Syria. So this is completely outside of the culture and the nation and the people and the history, everything, completely outside there. And so as Jesus leaves, and he's walking in the text today with his disciples, and he goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon out there on the west, out there on the coast. You kind of want to think about it. Maybe he was going to like a beach vacation home for a second. He wanted to get out on the coast, teach his disciples, go into a home and not be noticed. It's interesting as Jesus walks around and goes to a desolate place on one side and tries to get out of uh, people's way so that he can go teach and pray. And now he's going over to this other completely unexpected area for anybody to really follow him. Yet when he gets there, he can't be hidden. He can't find his way through town. The paparazzi continues to come around and find him and search him out. And as everybody is coming in to find him, one lady pops up, a Syrophoenician by birth, a Gentile of Gentiles, completely outside of the children of Israel, completely considered one that would not be there to receive the gifts of the Messiah. Comes to him. Release the demon from my daughter. Please. I think of the intimacy of this conversation. First off, her coming to this guy who is known as a rabbi, who she's likely heard about from all of the folks that had seen him do miraculous things. She finds out he's in town and finds out where he's at and goes in to have this conversation with him and sits down. Says, please heal my daughter. Take care of her. And you can understand Jesus' words hmm, for her. I don't know if that's right, lady. Hold on a second. Let the children be fed first. It's not right to give the food to the dogs before the kids. I mean, my kids, would you like me to feed Bruce your food before you got it? No, probably not. You wouldn't like to eat and follow up after him. And so as Jesus is standing there, he says these words, and what a beautiful heart of faith this lady has because basically she catches him in his own words, as Martin Luther says, and Jesus loved it. She goes, you're absolutely right. No problem at all with that. You're absolutely right. The kids should eat first. Yet even the dogs under the table... Again, think about that. The ones that are close, not the ones out in the streets or far away. The beloved dogs, the pets under the table. Uh, they got to eat of the children's crumbs. You can just imagine Jesus' smile. He says, oh, my goodness. Because of that statement, because of that faith, go home. Your daughter's well. Don't even worry about it. See, the intimacy of that relationship, though, I think sometimes in life we may even get caught up with deciding who Jesus has come for. Maybe not when we're all gathered here, but in our day-to-day when maybe we forget a little bit of God's Word and we forget a little bit about His love for us and we forget a little bit about those things, we may at times forget that Jesus has come for everybody. It does not mean that everybody will receive Him. But he has not come for those whom we select. He's come for those whom he selects, whom he has loved. He's come certainly to forgive all, for he died for all of his creation. He died for everybody. And our sin sometimes is that we start to decide who that everybody is. We don't get to make that choice. I think the James text today kind of highlights that a little bit. When you gather together, who do you pay more attention to? The one that seems like they would be helpful and beneficial and fruitful because of their gifts or their monies or their status? Or do we also pay attention to those who are in the most need and the most lowly and the ones who need the closest relationship, the most broken, the most anxiety-ridden, whatever the case may be? I think within this setting, And these eyes looking at me, you all get that. You know that God has not only come for you, but he's also come for those who need to hear his word of love. Like that lady way outside the bounds of Israel who needed to hear it, and the deaf guy down in the Decapolis in a completely other area that was not a place where Jesus and his disciples really should have been. And even their route to get there was Securitus as they get there. They didn't go down and through the Jewish area to get there. They went from Tyre to Sidon and around and down into the Decapolis. Walking all the way around the Sea of Galilee, down into that east-southern end. The southeast side of the lake where the demoniac was. The southeast side of the lake where the Decapolis is and the pagans were and the Gentiles were. And he finds a man there that friends bring this man to Jesus and they say, heal him. You could just imagine Jesus looking at this setting again and saying, you're not my people. But he didn't do that. In a very intimate and close way, he takes a man who cannot hear his words and through his body language and signs and everything else tells this man what he's going to do sticks his fingers into his ears, a little spittle on the tongue, looks up to God so that this guy could see that this power did not come from a man that was standing in front of him, but from the God who created everything. And in that moment, opens his ears. And one of the few times we actually get the very intimate language of Jesus with the folks around him too in Aramaic. It was not Greek that Mark wrote down, it was not Hebrew that he wrote down, but it was the local language of Aramaic. And we get this beautiful personal language between Jesus and this man who had never heard a word before to hear his own language spoken into his ears. The first words, open. Open up. Hear my word. Know that I'm here for you. Know that I'm here and I love you. Know that I'm here and when you on in life and in the next few years see me die upon a cross for you know that that is for you that you will hear the words of my love and forgiveness for you and it's a lesson i think that the disciples even needed to learn as they see this messiah come in front of them and see that he is doing things for people way beyond the bounds of what they thought a love shown to people on the outskirts a love shown to people outside the bounds of the seed of Abraham. love from God shown in Christ for all. For all who would hear His word. All who would be broken by His law and healed and forgiven by His gospel. A beautiful love for you. That your sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done. Where He has opened your heart by the work of the Holy Spirit to hear His word. Your ears may have worked ever since your birth, but your heart didn't. And God changed that. He opened that to hear words. He opened that so that you opened your eyes even to see His work for you. That you would be so shaped by that word that as you go out from this place, your eyes are changed in a way to where you no longer try and see who God is for, but you see the people that God has sent to you to hear of His love and His grace and His mercy shown to us in Christ. For you are loved by God. And so are the people that he brings into your life. And on a day like today where we do faith in action and we get to go show our faith by our works, as James would put it, every single day of your life you get to speak God's word within your home and loved ones who are close and within that family who's far away and all the people that God brings in so that they would hear of that love and forgiveness that he has given to us in Jesus. And it's in his name that we thank and praise God. Amen. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us in Christ. We pray, Lord, that you strengthen us each day. And where we might want to build walls and boundaries and separations, we pray, Lord, that you would break those down and give us courage to speak your word, to speak your love, to speak of your grace and good news for us in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise as you're able and we will sing.